electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Fast and Earnings Extravaganza, trifecta of tech titans reporting. Amazon tumbling 9% on a big loss, terrible guidance. Apple up a, a percent on a beat, and Intel falling nearly 5% on weak guidance. The conference calls underway this hour. Plus, we're watching Robinhood, a big miss on the top and the bottom lines. The stock at an all-time low after hours and down almost 50% this year. How much lower can it go? And beyond the earnings, a rock and rebound today. The Nasdaq jumping over 3%. The S&P nearly 2.5%. The Dow up over 600 points. This is just a bear market bounce. Welcome to Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Bono and Eisen, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We start off with Amazon shares sinking after reporting a surprise loss thanks to its investment in Rivian. They also gave weak second quarter guidance. Deidre Bosa just got off the call with the CFO. What did he tell you, Debo? Well, he told me that inflation is a problem, Melissa. We knew that it was going to be, but he actually quantified it. He says that they took an incremental hit of $6 billion versus last year due to those inflationary pressures, and he doesn't see them easing anytime soon. So that's what's hitting the guidance, which is then hitting share prices, which are down nearly 10%. Um, The forecast of revenue growth of 5% in the second quarter, that's the slowest that we've seen in a few decades from Amazon on top of slower growth this past quarter. He also had some really interesting comments on supply and demand. Olsalski, the CFO, told me that they doubled their network over the pandemic, but that has now led to too much space. So now they have to try and optimize it, and that's going to take some time. I asked him if that had anything to do with the demand picture. He said no, that that remains strong. In terms of the different businesses, cloud was a bright spot, growing 37% year over year, and that's coming off a huge base. So it is kind of keeping pace with the other players like Microsoft and Google. Um, Advertising, however, subscription services, those were a bit of a disappointment, a little light. And that subscription one is interesting, Melissa, because they raised the price of Prime this past quarter. So you got to wonder how sticky it is, how much pricing power they have. As I mentioned, shares down nearly 10%. Back to you, Mel. All right, Debo, keep us posted. Deirdre Bosa, with the latest, um, you know, given the big rally that we saw today, Guy, I think investors are taking a look at this, trying to make heads and tails of of what to do with this stock, particularly with the guidance. Guidance is a disaster. Let's talk about the quarter first. I mean, operating margins of 3.2% were not good. And then you look at it and you understand why, because everything that Deirdre just told you about, inflationary pressures, which they said don't seem to be abating anytime soon, number one. But the guidance... Operating income guide minus $1 billion to plus $3 billion. Take the middle of that, give them a billion dollars operating income next quarter. It's still almost $6 billion light of what consensus was. Again, not good. And if they talk about inflation being a problem for a company that lives or dies by their margins, in my opinion, it doesn't really augur particularly well for the stock, and you're seeing it right now. I mean, inflation on every front, except for maybe the bonuses, which he said that they don't have to pay too much anymore. But fuel costs, for instance, in Europe in particular, they are still an issue, and we're right. going to see that continue. So here's the deal, right? So if this company is warning about inflation being persistent, or as Guy calls pesky, um, you mm. know, and you talk about it, in light of that GDP print this morning. So they just told us demand was good, but we just had this negative GDP print, and who right. knows? So you put that together, and that 
really explains why the stock's down 10% given the guidance that they have, because investors are saying this is not quite likely to get better next quarter either. And that's one of the reasons why when you think about, you know, what Microsoft was able to do in that quarter, what Apple just put up, and I know we're going to talk about that in a second, they just pushed out, in my opinion, if Amazon's correct, we're going to hear this from Microsoft and Apple. And I know they're very different businesses, enterprise, and but but Amazon has both, you know, when you think about AWS. Oh, AWS is great, up 37%. It did decelerate year over year. So I think we're going to see more of this over the next few months. And I just think Amazon, as it led last year, not keeping pace with the NASDAQ and many of its mega cap peers, is probably leading the way to the downside. Now. Was there anything in the print, uh, Bonawin, that makes you cons- concerned about the consumer? Because it seemed like he was saying that there's no degradation in ordering the CFO, that is, um, over the quarter or, <clears throat> or you know during the pandemic. The things actually got better in, in terms of ordering. Uh, I, I, I do think that's a positive. I will say the capacity issue coupled with the operating margin less than um, stellar performance does give me some pause. I mean, we've all talked about whether or not we've gone through this COVID situation and have had pull forward of demand. So whether or not the, the demand remains stable, it, there is some disconnect between that and at least what the what they expected to be an increase in demand. And that capacity issue, you know, what, what they do is they're a logistics beast. That is one of their operating um, levers that they're able to pull. And the fact that they're now having to streamline and, and make that more efficient does, does give me concern. And the last thing is to Dan's point, this thing has been lower beta on the upside pops that we've had. I'm not surprised to see it guiding down and trading down on the back of uh, the earnings announcement. Tim, what do you think of this uh, now 9.75% decline? Well, I'll I'll subtract out 5% from earlier today and say we've netted out down four. I I like the reset. I mean, I think you've got a case where uh, also, look, the 7% quarter over quarter uh, revenue growth is the part that should, or year over year to the quarter, should have people really disappointed. And we're talking about pull forward, but the growth rate pre-pandemic was 20%. Um, so, you know, those are the things that in the same way that you overshot to the upside, uh, you're overshooting to the downside. I, I think a- Amazon is a beast. I think it will continue to be a beast. E-commerce revenue is is going to continue to be uh, where sales are going to grow. Everyone would lo- would want to have Amazon's infrastructure and build out around it. Um, so, I, look, I, I, it's nice that we're resetting here. Uh, the operating margin, uh, operating profit of 56 percent at AWS and up 37 percent. I think we're also talking about the difference between uh, enterprise and what's going on with the consumer. It should not be any surprise that at some point the consumer needs to slow down a little bit. And I think in Amazon's case, um, people sat at home and and all they did for sport was to order. Um, But in terms of the charts, in terms of where you want to go with this, this is what we're doing for a lot of stocks. We have to take this somewhere back, either just north of where we started COVID uh, or not. And on the charts, obviously, that could be anywhere from 1400 to 1600 or, uh, you know, more likely 2100. Let's let's say that there is some concern about the consumer, that there is concern about the environment, the macro environment. If you are in that camp, and I think Dan and Guy at least probably are, then why wouldn't Amazon be the place? Why wouldn't it be like a Walmart or Target? Should be. Right? I mean, absolutely. That should be a flight to safety. But they've gotten themselves. Listen, the other businesses they've involved themselves in and the valuation that the stock trades at is going to write. You're going to get a re-rating in the name. So I agree that you can make a comparison between Walmart and Amazon. What you can't compare the two, though, are on valuation. And I think that's what the market is struggling with right now. Let's bring in Fast Money friend uh, Gene Munster of Loop Ventures for more on the quarter. Gene, your take. Um, Melissa, I'll start with a comment about the guidance. It was, in fact, revenue guidance 5% below the street. But keep in mind, 
That was the same guide down that they had when they reported their December quarter. There's a lot of pins and needles that people are on that kind of make it sound worse than it is. But that earnings guidance obviously impacted inflation. And Melissa, just to bring it to its most simple point, there are two headwinds that Amazon is facing. Consumer is starting to slow. Their retail business was down 3% year over year. It's going to be down about 6% in the June quarter. And second is they are particularly susceptible, as you've outlined, related to costs. 1.3 million workers, all those expenses, logistics going up. Uh, you mix in, uh, throw some uh, high valuation into that. And I think that this stock is going to be parked for some time. The year-on-year -year comparisons, Gene, how much should we discount because the, the comparisons are tough year-on-year? Uh, they are tough, and 2022 is the year we're going to start to baseline some of those. But it doesn't uh, change the fact that, uh, by the way, the, the comparisons for Amazon, in Amazon's case, it was going up against a 20% uh, comp, a uh, much uh, easier comp than what Apple just uh, uh, fought through. And so it's, uh, yes, the comps matter. That does explain why these growth rates are slowing. That's what 22 is going to be all about for all these companies is baselining the growth rates. But I think in this case, there was it was a little bit more uh, sharp of a decline than I would have expected, especially on that retail business. I think it's a read on the consumer. I think we're just uh, this is something that I think you can uh, see through to the rest of the economy. And I think you're going to see this uh, a very similar type of a commentary with, again, accelerating uh, declines for Amazon retail business in the June quarter. Gene, it's been mentioned a few times on the desk, the difference between retail business or consumer-facing business and the enterprise business. Going forward, should we be focused on things like cloud or should we be focused on consumer-facing parts of their business? I think that the most important part of the story is still retail. I think it's still consumer. If you just look at just uh, raw percentages of revenue, uh, throw, the advertising business is impacted by retail. We're still talking about 85% of Amazon's business is related to retail. Uh, it's nice that they have uh, shiny things growing fast on the side, but it doesn't change the substance of what Amazon is. And this is a play on uh, consumer spending, number one, and number two, logistics. And both of those, again, are hitting some headwinds. So, Gene, now I'm going to ask you to put your stock uh, prognostication hat on. This is a name that's been in the sideways range, albeit between, I don't know, 2800 and 3350 or so for quite some time. Right now, we're below that range. What does that mean, if anything? And what's the right price for Amazon, given what you just said? I think the, the right price over the next three to six months is lower. I'm going to uh, slightly avoid the, the detail of that question because uh, the market multiples are going to impact that. But I think we're still, when I think about this, the next uh, three to six months being a baseline in some of these big tech companies, I think Amazon is particularly susceptible for the reason of valuation and those other two headwinds. And so uh, got to answer your question is I think that it probably is going to bounce around and then probably drift lower over the next three to six months. Ultimately, I think, again, 2023 is going to be a great year for tech. And I think that in, in Amazon's case, what they're doing, investing in logistics is uh, a massive uh, defensible business. Uh, we will come back to this, uh, but I think it's just a little premature. All right, Gene, you're going to stick around. Uh, Amazon shares at the after-hour session lows right now down 10.6%. Let's get to Apple, though. The stock giving up its gains, now negative, even after posting a beat on the top of the bottom lines. Apple's earnings call kicked off at the top of the hour. CNBC's Steve Kovac has got the highlights. Steve. 
Hey there, Mel. Two key takeaways for this report. I spoke with Tim Cook earlier, who knocked down concerns on China shutdowns impacting the quarter. Cook telling me the shutdowns that have been sweeping across the country had no impact on the quarter since they started just as Apple's fiscal quarter was ending. Meanwhile, services growth is slowing, up just 17 percent, but not as hot as the 26 percent growth reported a year ago. I also spoke with CFO Luca Maestri about that, and he told me COVID lockdowns are to blame for those tough comps and telling me, quote, during the most difficult periods of COVID, digital content went through the roof, so the comp is a bit more challenging in some cases. Now, Mel, the call just started, so I'll be listening for any more comments from Cook on the China outlook, and I'll be right back with that. All right, Steve, keep us posted. Thank Thanks. you, Steve Kovac. Um, Dan, what do you make of the quarter? Yeah, it's good. I mean, they put up a great quarter in a difficult environment last quarter, right? And I think that surprised a lot of people. The market was in the throes of a sell-off in late January, early February when that report came out. The stocks, uh, you know, rallied 7%. I will tell you this, that, you know, because that was the first leg of the sell-off in this market that has been very focused on valuation in a very uncertain macro environment, I think Tim Cook and Lucas' comments, um, you know, the CFO, I think they should be, um, you know, you should feel pretty decent about those if you own the stock, except for the fact everything that we just said about Amazon, like I just said before, I think you can extrapolate three months out, maybe five months out. The consumer here is definitely weakening. If you look at the period over period, if you look at where mortgage rates are, you look at where gasoline is, you look at like just the inflationary environment in general, it's just not good. So that's not me like being some genius economist. Just look around at everything else. Look at the demand for credit. So um, I don't know, you know, Apple's going to go into a weak seasonally period. I just probably think it trades down to what's your number, guy? 138, the October low. <laughs> Oh, Dan. <laughs> okay. Mine was, you know, a little rounder at 140 or so. And that's where you have a valuation that I think makes a lot of sense. You are not going to see dramatic hits to earnings, right? They're expected yeah. to be up high single digits with sales up this year. But it trades about six or seven turns the S&P uh, 500 for similar expected earnings growth right now. Let's say you don't want to bet against the consumer and you think that consumers will buy Apple products no matter what. They'll watch Apple TV, et cetera, Tim. I think the comments about the, the timing of the China lockdowns and the impact was very interesting because it didn't affect the quarter that they reported. It will probably impact in some way, shape or form the quarter that we are in right now. Yeah. And, and again, the, the extraordinary nature of the quarter was that they were not impacted as others were. Um, and, and uh, you know, look, China, China and moderating consumer growth everywhere, uh, add those two together. Uh, I, I would be taking an opportunity to talk about that. And, I, and I'm guessing we're going to still hear some of that. So hold on to your hats. I mean, this is 10 percent of the S&P between Apple and Amazon after hours here. And, and back to the multiple. It really just comes down to that. Uh, you know, J.P. Morgan's got a 30 multiple on it. I mean, do you, do you pay 30 times for the stock today? Uh, I get you paid it yesterday. And do you pay 30 times multiple when, in fact, the high multiple part of the business and people are tending to value services in one way and hardware in another. The, the high multiple part of the business, they told you, is slowing. They just told you um, how digitization, some of the, some of the dynamics uh, around that business and services were, were extraordinary. So that's really the question. The great stuff here is not only was it a great quarter, uh, but it continues to be a stock that you can hold through difficult times because this $90 billion buyback, which was expected, um, is, is part of the reason between dividends and buybacks. This stock has a floor under it. But boy, I just wish we could get to some of the levels, maybe not Guy's level, maybe not Dan's level. But I, I wish we could get this out of the way because it is coming. They have to guide. There's no way the consumer um, can, can continue to be buying Apple products like this. Apple's down 1.9% now in the after-hour session. Bonoan, you agree with that move? 
Uh, I do. I mean, keep in mind that this stock rallied pretty aggressively today, along with a lot of other tech names into earnings. I don't really think that was a, the, the setup that you really want. Now it's a question of do we have any follow through from this rip and rally that we've seen? And I think everyone, myself included, was looking at Apple to be the, the, the thing that kind of drove us to the next leg. Absent of that, I don't see what buoys us higher. I mean, do you want to buy into a rally where Facebook is the thing that's leading us to the next thing? After me and every probably every other investment professional has said, listen, that last quarter was extremely challenging. We don't understand the investment going forward. This is going to be a five or 10 year play. This isn't really the type of market coupled with the volatility that we've seen that I really want to be playing into. And I think Apple, the price action that we're seeing after hours is people buying into that exact thesis. We're not really getting a savior in big cap tech earnings guy. I mean, Facebook's pop today, obviously, was a huge pop, and that certainly helped fuel the, the sentiment to the upside. But here we are. We've got Apple and Amazon declining in the after It's interesting. The Facebook was, a, in my opinion, uh, just a classic relief rally off a stock that's down north of 50% from its all-time high. I'm sure you talked about that last night. One. Two, in terms of Apple, quickly, if you didn't know it was Apple, we like to play these games, right, from oh, time yeah, to time. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, Go ahead, wait, set wait, it up. Game? Set it up, please. No, if, if you didn't know the four letters or three letters or oh, two and letters. Just the, saw the chart. And, you just saw the, and we just yeah. saw the metrics around. So a company that's trading 25 times next year's anticipated numbers, notice I say anticipated, with 6.5% EPS growth and maybe 6% revenue growth, something's amiss, right? It's just the wrong valuation. Shouldn't trade at a market multiple, but I think 25 is too much. I think that's what Dan and Bonowin are both saying. Now, Guy, I'm sure you're getting lit up on the Twitter here. I'll I'll look at my Twitter device. 17 minutes, and no one's really had much good to say about two of the best companies in the world. Amazon and Apple, we can all agree on that, right? right. So it really is about the environment. And this show's called Fast Money, right? And so, like, when I think about it, it's like we could lay out a lot of fantastic things why buying right now at this price, at 164 or wherever Apple is, or 26.50 where Amazon is right now, five years out is the right thing to do. It really is about sure. time horizons. And right now, what I think market participants have mispriced is where ex- existing S- uh, S&P estimates are and what they're willing to pay for them. I think that estimate is coming down. And these two names have held up, well, not Amazon, but Apple has held up reasonably well right now. And I just think it's going to be lower over the next three to six months. And you're going to have a great opportunity if you're a longtime holder of innovative companies like this to buy it cheaper. I want to go to Gene real quick. Uh, Gene, what do you want to hear on the call? Um, Melissa, if I may, I just want to set the record straight. Apple had an amazing quarter. The market's not giving it credit for it, but it was impressive. They grew 9% against a 53% comp. The street is looking for 4%. I am bracing for what do I want to hear on the call? I want to hear that cost, component costs, are able to manage that with long-term contracts. I am bracing for what he's going to say, what Luca is going to say on the call. Uh, I hope that it goes well. If it doesn't, it doesn't change the reality that we have an increasing dependence on their products. And keep in mind, it's an iPhone story today. In the future, it will be other products uh, there will be hardware as a service. There will be wearables, augmented reality. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if they do get into auto, which they do want to get into in the next few years, uh, this that auto business could be just as big as Apple's all their other businesses combined today. And so what do I want to hear on the call is that they're managing costs. Uh, what am I thinking longer term? This call doesn't really matter because this company is going places long term. All right, Gene, you'll uh, be with us for the hour. Coming up, we've got even more earnings on deck. Shares of Intel dropping and issuing a stark warning on just how long the chip shortage will last. The details are next, and stocks staging a major midday rally with the Dow climbing more than 600 points. We are breaking down today's rock and rally. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another earnings alert on Intel. The stock moving lower despite a beat on the top and the bottom lines. A call underway. For more, let's get to Contessa Brewer. Contessa. Hi there, Melissa. It was weaker than expected guidance. Intel calling for second quarter earnings of 70 cents a share, 18 billion in revenue. And the street was expecting 18.4 billion and 83 cents a share. On the earnings call just now, Pat Gelsinger reiterated his attention-getting prediction that the supply chain challenges for chips will persist through 2024. He says, especially in foundry capacity and tool availability. He pointed to the COVID lockdowns in China and the war in Ukraine as situations that underscored the need for geographic diversity in semiconductor manufacturing. On the call, he said Intel is making significant progress toward half its manufacturing capacity happening in Europe and the United States. He's also talking about the progress that they're making. I'm just looking at my notes here, Melissa, in block, uh, blockchain accelerators and self-driving technology. The call continues. I'm listening in. All right. Contessa, thank you. And don't miss Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger on Tech Check tomorrow. That's 11 a.m. Eastern right here on CNBC. Tim, we'll go to you. They're also saying they're going to make a series of product and tech announcements at Vision 22, May 10th to 11th. So look forward to that. But here we are right now in the after hours of debt decline 3.5 percent. I think Intel's underappreciated on their leading edge technology. I think, you know, people understand where some of the foundry and, and the buildup that they need to do even just to become brick and mortar and compete with Taiwan Semi is well understood. Um, I think people don't understand the higher margin chip profile of this company. I think the announcement, uh, I don't know, a month ago about 88 billion investment into the EU. So again, geographic and, and, and global diversification, but certainly EU, U.S. friendly, uh, I think are part of the story. Uh, data center, AI up 22 percent. That that number was pretty solid um, in a place where they've actually shown a fair amount of weakness. So, again, maybe consistent with what we're hearing from some of the other companies out there that the enterprise stuff's not bad. All right. Uh, chip shortage lasting until 2024, Guy. What do you make of Intel? Well, it's interesting. You know, Contessa just said something really interesting about geographical security. I mean, I think the bull case for Intel, just my opinion, it's like a homeland security type of play. Right. And if the market ever figures that out or they can get their arms around that, it's a much more expensive in terms of valuation stock. Listen, you're not going to get killed in Intel. Just look at what happened. AMD has been cut in half over the last couple of months. Intel has not been cut in half. That's the good side of the equation. It's a place to hide on valuation. Bad side is 
There's just nothing. I know what Tim just said, but there's really nothing that compelling about the story right now, in my opinion. It's sort of in between. Well, Tim Tim actually, let's just give Tim Thompson props. He couldn't come down to the NASDAQ, but let's give him some props right here. He just said that those (laughs) leading edge technologies, those higher margin products, that's the thing to to look forward to. And this company five years ago had 63% gross margins, expected to be 52% this year, right? So if they get some of those things right and you start having margin expansion, Mm -hmm. you have a stock that trades at 13 times, you know, and expectations are really low for next year. The problem is it goes back to that other segment. What's your time horizon right now? You're right. not going to make a whole heck of a lot of money yeah. in this until they get some of the stuff figured out. You're early. If you view this as a turnaround story, you're early in this turn. And as Guy had mentioned, yeah, if they want to build foundries here in the United States, mm-hmm. that's great. But it takes time to build them. <laughs> it takes time to win that business over as well, Donovan. Yeah, it's a long-term growth story, long-term capital play, um, homeland security play. And, yeah, you won't get killed, but you, they've stung you. They've stung you a few times in the recent past. Um, I will say if we're playing the long-term game, and we should be doing that along with Fast Money, I do think this is a name that you start to deploy a little bit of capital to and average into over time. I think it will pay off. In the short term, I do think capital is better deployed elsewhere. 13 and a half times, though, it's pretty compelling. So I do think there's uh, that along with the technicals. I do think there's a bit of a floor to the stock around here. We do want to take another check on Apple as well as Amazon. Both are at after-hour session lows. Um, just taking a check here on the stock, uh, Apple is lower by about 3.5%. There we are. Amazon's down by a whopping 12.5%. We should note that the SPYs are feeling the pressure, too, from these two big-cap tech companies feeling the pain, and we are seeing a lower trade in the extended-hour session on this ETF, down 1.2%. Um, it, it sort of makes you, well, you probably question the rally that we saw today before this, mm-hmm. but it makes you question it even more. We've seen, listen, I've, we said it since November, the counter trend moves, these rallies in, I don't want to use the term bear market, but in markets that are now sloping lower are violent. You saw it today. We've seen it a number of times over the last month and a half, two months. I think tomorrow, I think we're obviously going to see the other side of that. I'll say this, you know, the VIX, again, straddling that 30 level will probably be elevated tomorrow. That's suggestive to me of a market that's going to continue to put in lower lows. I said 4,000 in a while in the S&P. I'll stand by that. I think the overshoot is 37.50. And with these numbers and these types of price actions, it's easy to see why we would see something like that, Mel. It looks like uh, the CFO is making some comments about fiscal third quarter revenue. This is Apple, by the way, um, to be hindered by four to eight billion dollars because of supply chain constraints. We'll get more on these details um, as we get them. But meantime, this is being reported by the Wall Street Journal, and perhaps that's why this, we're seeing the stock take a nosedive in the after-hour session. We're down by about three and a quarter percent right now. More details straight ahead. Coming up, a green day in Wall Street with markets going positive for the week. But should you believe the bounce? We are digging into the action next, and the earnings keep rolling in. Shares of Roku and Robinhood on the move after reporting. We'll break down the numbers when Fast Money returns. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So. 
brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Canva. Let's get more details from the Apple call. Apple shares are down more than 3%. Steve Kovac has been listening in. Steve? Yeah, Melissa, uh, shares falling a little bit. Uh, we got some more comments on these Russia, I mean, Russia, well, Russia and China, rather, uh, China problems that we've been hearing about these lockdowns and the impact. Uh, Luca Maestri, the CFO, saying on the call uh, they're expecting a four to eight billion dollar negative impact. Uh, from all these lockdowns we've been seeing in China. Um, on top of that, Tim Cook just said um, primarily these problems are around the Shanghai corridor, but he is seeing some signs of case counts going down, so they're optimistic that things are going to improve but not get worse. But again, going, uh, going to have at least uh, up to an $8 billion impact on revenue next quarter. And then in Russia, uh, a little bit of an impact there, about one basis point, they said, uh, just because they pulled out of Russia after the Ukraine invasion, Mel. You, you got to wonder, Steve, if they're assuming the lockdowns continue or they're assuming that they get better in China in order for them to give this guidance. Like, what is that outer bound of $8 billion impact? Yeah, so what uh, Tim Cook said uh, stuck out to me is that it's this Shanghai corridor. And as we mm-hmm. know, a lot of Apple suppliers are wrapped up in there. There was a great report about that uh, earlier this uh, earlier this morning. And uh, but what they're seeing is these case counts are going down. So they're expressing some optimism on this call right now, Mel about uh, things opening up again sooner than later. All right. Um, Steve, keep us posted. Steve Kovac, the stock it. is down 4% right now after our session lows. Tim, what do you make of this guidance? Well, again, they haven't even started talking about the, the U.S. consumer in North America. And, and so this is this is concerning. And, I, you know, ultimately you have a case where, again, think about Facebook's numbers uh, and what that stock did. Think about Apple's numbers and what that did. These Apple numbers were extraordinary and they, they outperformed in a very, very high bar. So um, this is just what I think we're all saying. No one's trying to, to ridicule Apple. In fact, it's really a story where I, you look at the execution across the product lines. Um, I, that, to me, is the most amazing thing. And that's where Gene, I think, is referencing their future. So um, market-wise, look, this is, this is the story. I mean, you know, the Triple Qs defended 320. Uh, the semis, the SMH, defended 220 today. Um, but I, I just don't get the sense that they're really able to call it, you know, call it quits. And I think you have to watch out for those levels. Right. So we're back to uh, CEOs and CFOs being epidemiologists. I mean, honestly, that seems like so 2020. And I don't mean to be glib about that. I really mean that. If you look at everything else that's going on around the world, hey, we haven't even talked about the surging U.S. dollar, right? And so look where the Dixie is, the U.S. dollar index. So to me, I just think there is no shortage of landmines that exist for companies like this that have been executing very well. I'll just make another point. You know, we sat on this desk a couple weeks ago when Tesla reported an amazing quarter. And we had probably Gene Munster saying amazing quarter. This morning, that stock was down 25% from the highs that day when we were talking about it in the aftermarket. That's $250 billion in market cap. So to think because this stock is so precious and this company executed so well in such a difficult environment that it can't go down is silly. I'm not wishing it down. That's just the way it is. And when you look at these two companies that we have that report in the aftermarket, let's pull up a chart of the NDX. Tim just mentioned the QQQ. Look at that thing going back to one year. It is sitting right on this 13 
$1,000 level, man. And if these two stocks were to go down and Facebook were to fill in that gap, right, and Google were to start going back down again um, and Microsoft gives some of that back, we're going lower. It's just that simple. And listen, it's not a, like, I don't know, it's not an indictment of anything other than the fact that we don't have a whole heck of a lot of uncertainty. These are some of the biggest companies in the world, and they are dealing with situations that they have not dealt with in a very long time. We get uh, added a lot on Twitter for being yeah, so incredibly negative. We're talking about forces um, that are bigger than the individual companies, as Dan had been mentioning. You can execute very well, and your stock can still get taken down. Um, Gene Munster, you're out there. You said Apple had an extraordinary quarter, but what do you make of this guidance? flabbergasted. Um, well, we can try and read his lips mm. or we can try and go back to him at some point later on. But uh, Bonham, would you agree in terms of the landmines? Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, He's back. Gene. Uh, I'm <laughs> back. Yes, Melissa, I am back. Uh, the biggest takeaway was related to the supply headwind, four to eight billion. That was a bigger headwind than what we had in the March quarter. And the reason why that's uh, significant is, of course, uh, Apple is among pretty much every company that's dealing with these supply issues. But what this does, I think, is it creates some anxiety for investors going into next quarter. Uh, if you were going to put all these numbers together, the four to eight billion dollar impact and look at where street guidance is, just to put some context on this, they basically are guiding to about 83 billion in revenue for the June quarter. The street was at 87 billion when you put all the factors together. And I think just that uh, reality, I think, does impact the near term how uh, this stock can perform, just like any company. Ultimately, these are transitional issues that they're going through. And at what point we get through these supply uh, constraints, my best guess is probably sometime early next year. And uh, so to put uh, to answer your question, Melissa, what, what's the impact, Ben? I think that uh, the supply piece is uh, noteworthy. It's noteworthy because it's come up on each of the last four calls. And it's going to probably be in the back of investors' minds. Again, it doesn't change my confidence. I think this is a $250 stock in a year from now. Um, call me out of touch with reality, but I think what they're going to get into, this, uh, this, this company will bounce back, bounce higher in the future. But this supply uh, topic is something that is, uh, is taking the headlines for, for the quarter. The expected hit to revenue, Gene, just to be clear, is from supply chain constraints, according uh, to Tim Cook, according to the CFO as well. Uh, I'm wondering, are, have they mentioned anything about demand in China and whether they are seeing demand soften because of all the lockdowns? Record quarter in China. It grew at 4%. It grew at 21% but for the in current the quarter. For, for the current quarter. No, they're basically saying that the demand uh, continues to be great. However, that they just can't keep up with supply. So that is ultimately people want their products. It's uh, so to answer your question is the demand equation seems great. The supply piece is uh, essentially the boogeyman that I think is going to be uh, some concern. And ultimately, they're going to get through the supply issues. Having products that are revered around the world, having those, that's the difficult part. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, they'll get this right on the supply side. This is the biggest of the big cap tech. Bonowin. And so when you hear Gene Munzer say these supply chain issues will probably last through the beginning of next year. Awesome. Thank you. You, you wonder what the impact is on other companies that may not have the size or have to navigate. Took the words out of my mouth. I mean, as I, as I mentioned before, Apple is somewhat of a barometer of health of the general sector and the general market as of recent history. 
If they are having headwinds in this regard, I can't begin to imagine what the follow through is for other companies that don't have the pricing power, that don't have this, you know, the, the vertically integrated supply chain, that don't have pricing power, that aren't first in line for these you know, supply inputs. So I, I just think the overall setup, and again, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon of being more negative. You know, I'll smile and say, listen, great quarter, but our job here is to kind of get up here and give you the macroeconomic picture, ability for companies on a microeconomic to execute, and whether or not that setup bodes well for you to execute within the constraints of the general economy and the general market. What we're saying here is that despite, they, despite the fact that they've been able to deliver and despite the fact that they are a leading candidate and are able to navigate in ways that others don't, the follow-through or the lack of follow-through, despite what they've just given us, doesn't bode well. That setup makes it very difficult. So regardless of ability to execute, you've got to take those other geopolitical and macro you know, economic factors you know, into consideration when you're deploying capital. I, I think that's really the point that we're trying to make here. Any momentum that we may have gotten from today's rally, Tim, is that now dead? Um, I'm, look, I, I would question the momentum we actually really gained today on, on uh, a day when I, I just think a lot of stuff was so oversold. Um, but, but yeah, I think it is. But I, I look, I, I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing from a lot of companies, and I actually like these resets. Um, Apple hasn't reset enough, and, and again, we, you were right to point out this is just a supply side. We haven't heard anything about demand side. Um, so, but I, I want to hear demand side, and 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 I, I ultimately, you know, on a day when we got uh, halfway to a recession, if you think that GDP really is that accurate read and just the first reading, I, I just think that there's a, a sense here uh, we have to understand a little bit more about how companies will see demand with higher rates and also uh, margin pressures that are out there. Yeah, if we take a look at the SPYs or the Qs in the after-hour session, we're seeing pressure, obviously, from Apple as well as Amazon. Guys, it's too early to start getting that shopping list together if your time horizon is, one, let's say, one year. Let's start off with one year. No, it's, not, it's definitely not too early. Listen, to the point you made about, you know, the consumer next, potentially, if you think for Apple specifically mm-hmm. it's just a supply chain thing, then 155, 156 is a fine entry point. However, if you think the consumer is the next leg of this entire pastiche, Nice then that, story. thank you, 138 level is absolutely in play. Not too early. You should always have it in front of you because when you have the numbers, when they get there, you won't be scared to act. Yeah, and the psychology around it is like, listen, we were all convinced about a lot of great innovative companies, Spotify, Zoom, PayPal, you know, over the last few years or so. And now they're down 60, 70, 80 percent. If you hate them here, you're just doing this whole game wrong. I mean, there's a, you know, like so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, if you never took any profits in any of those things when they were just screaming in 2020 or 2021 or you like the story, but you didn't like the valuation, then there's some good opportunities here, especially with time horizon. And the one thing that I think the last month taught us is that some of these stocks that are down that much can rally 30, 40 percent, especially if you are nimble here. But listen, we've been saying this for weeks now on the desk. When those stocks go and break the lows that they just did, you know, you better be careful because my experience in bear markets, when that happens, like alarm bells go off and you better extend your time horizons on some of the stuff where the visibility is still very murky. Coming up, the earnings, they don't stop. Shares of Roku on the move after reporting were streaming into the numbers. Next, plus Robinhood also on the move. Shares are dropping hard after reporting a big miss on revenue. We've got the details straight ahead. Fast Money's back in two.
Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another earnings alert for you, this time on Roku. The streaming service giving up a nearly 10% gain, now about flat, even after posting a revenue beat. Julia Borson's got the numbers. Julia. Well, Roku's revenues, 28% growth to $734 million, beating expectations, while a loss of $0.19 cents per share was a penny worse than analysts had anticipated. The addition of 1.1 million incremental active accounts for a for in the quarter for a total of 61.3 million was right in line with expectations. The company's second quarter guidance of $805 million is 11 million short of analyst consensus. Roku explaining slower user growth with a number of macroeconomic factors, noting that they had growth moderating given the end of government stimulus payments, also cited the ongoing supply chain disruptions, which drove up TV prices and depressed TV unit sales. Now, it's worth noting that the stock is flat right now, but it was up 8% today, bouncing back from some declines in the wake of Netflix's disappointing results. And Roku is still off nearly 60% year to date. Melissa, I'll be talking to Roku CEO Anthony Wood, and we will bring you that interview in Tech Check tomorrow. All right. Look, look forward to that. Julia, thank you. Julia Borston. Bonwin, what do you make of Roku? You know, I mean, this is a, a streaming correlate, and I think that's just a tough setup right now. Um, I am surprised, and I think the market is in, it, this is not giving up gains, as we've seen with, with other names, because they have impressed on the revenue and the user gr- growth. And if we go and look back at, like, a Disney or a Netflix, that really has been, you know, the pain point for them. Are they able to maintain subs? Are they able to grow subs at a sustainable and accelerating rate? And I think Roku, you know, at least on the surface, has been able to do that. So, you know, it's holding in here strong. You have this major double top. We talked about it actually around $500. And now we're at levels we last saw in March-ish of 2020. So just as you should have sold it with both hands when it was trading 500, I actually think, can't believe it because I'm going to get added for being positive. I'm getting usually added for being negative. I think you can get long the stock here for a trade. Listen, I'm looking at some of the numbers. Active accounts were up 14.5% year over year. Streaming hours up 14.5% year over year. They traded, what, three times revenue, Dan? That's not ridiculous. I mean, it's not crazy. Dan's eyes popped out I know of his he did. He's going to, he's going to, uh, hold on a second. Right. So well, have at it. Have at no, it, no. guy. So, 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 you know, was, remember when it was skipping up $100 at a clip, you know, from 100 to 200, 300, 400, 500. I and I was saying, they're going to put this thing, those little plugins at the back of the TV on the trash heap of like just tech that we've just discarded over the last 30, 25 years. This is where this is going. I'm just telling you, this product is a zero, in my opinion. Okay. And the fact that it's down 85% and they just put up a beat and the stock can't even rally, the company has only made money one year, and it was in 2020, and that was the year that everyone was shutting their home, and they were dying to watch anything on a screen other than look at their wives. Oh, sorry. Um, but you know, what, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying in general here, so expectations for 30% revenue growth for the next two years? Nah, it's not going to happen. All right. Uh, let's get to Robinhood. That is sinking after mm. its latest report. The online broker posting a wider-than-expected loss, a drop in revenue for Q1. Active users also fell from nearly $18 million a year ago to under 16 million now. The news comes a day after the company said it was cutting 9% of its staff. Shares of Robinhood hitting its lowest level since last year's IPO in the after-hour session. It is down 11%. Tim. 
Look, if they're losing users, um, obviously major, major problem. It was one thing to have revenue be uh, stalling and, and actually falling under the weight of the crypto markets and payment for order flow and some other dynamics. They just made a major acquisition internationally uh, in crypto. They want to be able to offer 24-7. Uh, they're getting there. But their demographic, which is what I've said, is, is obviously what makes this company attractive, not necessarily their current earnings profile, but that this is a group that ultimately should be uh, a very, very interesting demographic to have and the stickiness and that it, for somebody it's worth it. But the user loss is, is devastating. Uh, the cash burn is devastating. And, and I'm not sure it's time to nibble here. Yeah. I mean, if you're not getting the user base, Bono, and I don't know what you're getting with this stock, especially when there are some questions about its model still when it comes to payment for order flow, for instance, people don't want to trade when the markets are going down and their faces are getting ripped off. Unfortunately, they don't. But that's, a lot of times that volatility sets up for a fantastic trading opportunity. So it's, you know, it's a bit oxymoronic there. What you're getting, that was your question, what you're getting here, what you're getting is a potential acquisition target. And I think that's what Tim was hinting at. I know he's mentioned it before. At, that, at this point, that's what you're getting. He's mentioned the cash burn, the operating constraints. They just laid off 9% of their workforce. They're slashing SGNA. That tells you that there's some working capital constraints there. I mean, if I, if I playing the same game, game that Guy did, if mm. I took a step back, took the name off of the chart and looked at it and then looked at the financials, I would say, this is a company that needs a cash infusion. I don't think they're going to be able to issue debt. I don't think they're going to be able to, there's going to be an ability for them to issue additional shares here. But the demographic, that is what you're getting and someone will likely step in and pay for them. But I, I mean, that's the risk reward. It's a, it's a binary trade, but I think down here, if you're going to play it, they'll likely get acquired by someone who wants that, that, that user base. Yeah, I don't think those users are what you think they are um, because all of those altcoins, all of those things that they were buying in 2020 and 2021 are down 80%. If they haven't sold them, that money's just gone away. And so the average account size, we've been talking about it for a year now, is just tiny. And it's not the sort of the thing that I think a larger like entity wants to take on because the cost of servicing those and acquiring new customers. I think the brand is actually the big issue. I think the brand is tarnished. And so to me, with a $15 billion um, enterprise value, I just don't see any value in the thing. I see a lot of backlash on Twitter, at least from the people who follow me and people who I follow, uh, for payment for order flow. And, and that is in part tarnishing this brand. Right. And we've said it for a while. The existential risk, as it turns out, would be something to happen on that front. It turns out didn't have to happen because the stock's doing it all by themselves. And I'm, I'm not trying to be glib here, but, you know, I never thought there was anything particularly innovative about Robinhood. And now the stock is showing you that's exactly the truth. It finds it finds its home at some point. I just don't think it's here. I, you know, I think people will say in single digits it's cheap. Still nothing cheap about it. Yep. By the way, we are still seeing big declines in Apple and Amazon in the after-hour session. We have lost a combined $286 billion-ish in the after-hour session alone between those two stocks. Coming up, Facebook hitting the mark. Zuckerberg, that is, here soaring on the back of earnings. We're taking a look at the options market to see how traders are playing this one. Details when Fast Money comes right back. Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at Meta, the stock formerly known as Facebook, locking in its best day in nine years, adding $87 billion to its market cap after yesterday's earnings report. Optimism is also spreading to the options market, where traders are betting that this social stock is primed for a comeback. Mike Coe joins us with the action. Mike. The options market was implying a big move for Facebook. It delivered an even bigger one. And when you get big moves, you get big volumes. And we got big volumes in Facebook options today. It traded well over one and a half million. Contracts, it was one of the most active single stock options 
that traded. Now, a lot of the activity that we saw today expires tomorrow, but the biggest activity that we saw that expires a week from tomorrow was the May 6th weekly 210 calls. We saw over 19,000 of those trading for $4.30. Those were opening purchases. Buyers of those calls are betting on some follow through. That would put Facebook at least 5% higher than where it is trading right now after hours. Of course, it did weaken very slightly after we saw some of those earnings result from the other two companies you were just mentioning. All right, Mike, thanks, Mike Co. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That's tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Welcome back to Fast Money. The picks are in. Our very own Tim Seymour adding PayPal and DoorDash to his team Seymour Alpha in today's 2022 CNBC stock draft. So, Tim, how are you feeling about your picks? Well, if you're not buying stocks that are down more than 52 52- 50% from their 52-week highs, you're, you're Dave Gettleman of the New York Giants. In other words, you shouldn't be drafting anything. Um, and so, I, you know, as I, I look at it, PayPal, although it had a bounce, it had a case where I, I think you're still getting mid-teens growth. I still think it's a, it's a company that is, is as well-positioned in payments as anybody and is now trading inside of, you know, 22, 23 times. DoorDash is a logistics company. Their three, you know, sided marketplaces have over 50% market share. Um, COVID did one thing: is it, it just changed delivery. Will never be the same. Um, stocks down 70% from 52-week highs. Don't love the multiple, um, but as I say all the time, with both of these in this particular uh, uh, game, as we say, uh, you know, you make the most money when things go from terrible to just bad. And in both of these companies, I think you can have some serious, serious follow-through to the upside. All right. It's time for the final trade tonight. Let's go around the horn. Tim, back over to you. Yeah, Chevron. We have energy reporting tomorrow, and I think these energy companies are a place where actually you're going to see great numbers. Bono in. Not for me to suggest buying anything, but I think uh, right now you've got to be nimble and play the momentum. SoFi on the back of uh, Biden's comments today. Nice to have Bonwin back in the house. It really is. Be icebreaker. Dan Nathan. Yeah, um, I thought we were going to see something really interesting today. I thought Facebook was going to fill in that entire gap at one point here. I do think it's going to fill in a part of that. I'd be a seller of Facebook into that. Guy? Mel, do you take Sauce Gardner at 7 if they're Giants? Yes or no? Yes. I... Unbelievable! Valero, VLL. Look at these refiners, man. Unbelievable. Thanks for watching Fast Money. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.